Hi, and welcome to Foreign Comics Calling, the podcast for all things foreign comics related. I'm Ken, and on behalf of my co-hosts, Eric, Matt, and Stephen, we'd like to welcome you to another dazzling episode. Hey, hey. Cool. Someone, someone, someone found it dazzling. I don't know what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> Although, if we call ourselves the Dazzlers, that means we're going to have little success. But uh, we'll end up in yeah. Let's yeah. not Let's not go that route. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I like it. So um, yeah, so we got uh, we're gonna get to Gurries today, which is cool. Um, I, yeah, I, it's exciting. Yeah, I got a lot of questions for you guys. I think that's a super interesting topic, and I, uh, you know, yeah, I want to really uh, sort of pick your brains on that. Um, I'm sure there are other people that can contribute to that, so maybe we'll have future guests, um, particularly oh, yeah, Gurries sure. and things like that. Yeah, um, and then <laughs> excuse me. Just a few like housekeeping things. So, you know, obviously, thanks again, Tim, for appearing with us last week. We do, you know, we've been talking mm-hmm. internally about a bunch of other guests, um, and we got loads of ideas, loads of friends. So, you know, look for future guests, and we're going to pace those out a little bit. Uh, so, thanks again, Tim, for being our first one. Um, and the, the other thing I'll say is, you know, obviously, you can find us on iTunes, Breaker, Anchor, where we record. Uh, wherever you find us, please rate us. Please, you know, if you're listening now, just click a bunch of stars, write a review, write a rating, anything like that. It uh, feeds our souls. Um, and I will also point out the shout out to Maria Elisa for sharing. Um, I think what we what we'd like to do, and I, you know, Matt, you always you always emphasize the community aspects of this, the communal aspects. Of this we all yes. Um, so I, yes. I want to try to find opportunities to make it a little bit more interactive with our, our friends and listeners. So, you know, if you share the episode, that'd be awesome. We'll give you a shout out. So shout out to Maria Elisa for sharing the episode to date. Um, so let's Heck yeah. And Eric, yeah. can I, can I jump in for a yeah, second? Yeah, yeah, on yeah, her? Of course. yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she is one of the few women that is in the foreign group. And as you said, uh, speaking of future guests that we should have on, I'm not exactly sure how good her English is. But um, it seems pretty darn good. I would love to get Maria Lisa on as a guest right on. one of these days in the future. Yeah, right on. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Cool. yeah we, we, need, we need her to convince all the other wives out there that it's okay. <laughs> it's okay for your husband to be buying these things. Hey, no, calm <laughs> yes. down. Calm down. Like. Calm down. Yeah. <laughs> nice. nice. Very true. Um, well, let's jump into what we have. Uh, Matt, there's... Um, there's some stuff in well you you dropped off on the episode before tim and i think you were midstream on some of your marketing or what's happening in the market oh, yeah. things you wanted to talk about uh what do you what did you want to uh share marketing well uh, i think i think on the market uh you know it's definitely moving in interesting directions and you know i dropped out i was talking about the mac 9.6 that sold on was it comic link i believe um, that was a pretty interesting sale. Uh, there's been some other big sales. There's two FF1s have sold. Um, one sold on, I believe, on either eBay or Facebook, but I think he got close to 3000 um, like know the, That's the creepy version, the, the UK one, right? Is no, no, one? this was a Los Fantásticos. Oh, okay. This was uh, a, a yeah, Los Fantásticos yeah. 4. Um, also, uh, Brian Rickard picked up a Los Fantásticos 4, I believe. Um, he posted it in the group. Uh, that was a huge sale. So we know for a fact two Los Fantásticos sold. 
Um, also, uh, Augusto sold his X-Men. It was a run. I believe it was one through. I forget the, the last issue. It might have been 17. It might have been 13. I forget. But it was a group of books. And that sold for close to $3,000. That was a Los Hombres X. Mm. Um, and that was, that was really interesting. Um, and there's been some others. Uh, right off the top of my head, though, what I wanted really to get to was that 251 counterfeit that was in a CGC slab. We had a huge amount of discussion on the group on that. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to ask you guys, uh, I'm not sure because I don't know, Ken, if you or you, Stephen, or even you, Eric, maybe, have you, any of you guys bought one of, one of the, the later counterfeit Arabics? Thankfully not. No. No, no, I haven't. So, not, so you guys have not ever actually held one in your hands? No. No, okay. but, I so, can, but, I, but I can tell just through looking at the pictures and knowing the kinds of different books that I have held in my hand and what they look like, it's obviously mm-hmm. difficult just from pictures. But you can, if you're really paying attention and you really look closely, you can, you can see uh, the page quality and the cover quality. And you can kind of get a feel for, you know, when it doesn't look right. Yeah, yeah, and, and and it should not have looked right. The fact that that book right. went through CGC's quality control Incredible. is mind blowing because yes. those books, because you can't take that that those the, at least the third uh, counterfeit. The, well, there's two. Well, we can get into that too. Okay, so the Arabics had three distinct printings, we believe. This now, is- Doc Scott has come on and said that there was two counterfeits. We always knew the third one was for sure a counterfeit, but the second one is a is a funky one. I had not been sold on on the fact that it that it wasn't a second print simply because we think it was printed in the nineties, and it, whoever did it did a good job. It was printed on an offset press. It it, the, it looks it's it's a much better uh, printing job than the recent one that was printed in the modern times. Now, you guys have seen the 227 example, right? Yeah. That mm-hmm. I posted. Yes. yes. Um, now, the other well, thing. Well, let's that, uh, just to. Go I ahead. Mean, we have a list. This is an audio format, so we have a listener. So that's Batman 227. And there's three variations of it, right? Or reprints. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. I forget. Yeah. And that's, that's in the. In my mind. Yeah. And that's in the Foreign Comic Collector Facebook group. If you want to go see the yes. of it, right? Yes. You, and, and I'll post in the. In the on our page, I'll post these pictures as well so people get an idea. But anyway, so the, the, the third counterfeit printing, or the second, I guess you could say, the third printing, um, we know was done post-2000s. And if you look at it, if you were to actually take it under a loop, which is what they use in the printing business, a loop, it allows you to look really close at it. You won't see that moray offset dot pattern that you normally do because it is a Xerox print okay so when that book went into cgc's cough when it when they accepted it and they saw the date on it as 79 a very simple thing by just taking and looking at it under magnification would have would have proven to them that it was fake because there were no xeroxes in the late 70s right yeah yeah Mm -hmm. a very simple step that would have taken literally 30 seconds and right now, there is a Batman 251 signed by Neil Adams for sale for $4,000 that is a clear counterfeit. And yeah, CGC fucked up, guys. Big stuff. Yeah. Mm. 
And I, yeah. I saw someone comment that I don't remember who, but it, it's not quite relevant. But someone commented that you know maybe the maybe maybe the intention wasn't a counterfeit, but a reprint. But you know, like, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a group of Arabic collectors that all just because okay, back to rarity. Those books are freaking rare. They're so rare that in the Arabic comic collecting circles all they have are cbrs no one's ever a lot of those guys have never actually held a comic book from lebanon in their hands so those cbrs are floating around out there so a group of collectors got together and they did a private printing on a xerox now that's great that's awesome for them as like a comic book club you know like was said in the in that thread the Germans are doing that with the non-canons, translating them into German. There are fan translations, and that's all fine and good. The problem is when a, a, a certification company then takes a clear counterfeit or that book goes through multiple hands, this is where we get into that thing where if you're going to do that, right. you know, in the German case, of course, it's in German. It's easily – you can easily tell that – you know, Tim did talk about how on the cover, maybe they should have put something like German fan or something on there. Okay, but yeah, that yeah. can be discussed later. But if you're not going to put in there something that calls it out as a fan uh, reprinting or something, which is my understanding. Now, when we get Doc on here, because I think Doc has talked to those guys. Yes, Maybe has. they did yeah. in Arabic. <clears throat> we don't, can't read Arabic, so we wouldn't know. Right. Yeah, I'd, I'd have a hard time believing. Interesting. I'd have a hard time believing that the intention wasn't um, to be duplicitous if you didn't watermark it. Like if you were doing it as a fan, if I was doing that, I would absolutely want to watermark mm -hmm. it, right? Because I wouldn't want what you just indicated. I wouldn't want anyone downstream to, yeah, you know, be um, you know exploited or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Because yeah. because once that book, it's like with those e-balls. Uh, I showed you guys pictures in our private notes earlier. You know, CGC has graded these some of these modern e-balls too. And one of the things those guys are doing when they when they sell these books or when they they've made them or when you can order them, they say looks just like the original. That's how <laughs> they, they get. They're away touting with it. how it's exactly an original, right? Yeah, they're not yeah. even saying that they. I don't know. So this is a problem. This is one of those issues where all the foreign collectors need to just educate themselves, yeah. and we as as guys need to bring light on this issue. Um, so yeah, there's that. Um, I, I guess, do want to say that the second, if printing... you were, sorry to interrupt, if, ahead, you were, if you were to summarize okay. that, if you were to summarize that, if it's too, if it looks too good to be true, it very might well be too good to be true. Right. So definitely. Yeah. Yes. Right? Yeah. If it, if it looks like yeah. it, exactly. Came, if it looks like yeah. it came straight off the racks, it's, it's probably just come straight off somebody's private racks, you know? Yeah. Yeah, private, I mean, I guess it's possible that yeah. a, a true Lebanese edition from the late 70s somehow found its way into a box or a drawer and that wasn't touched for a couple decades. But the chances of early e-balls or some of these early Lebanon Arabics looking newsstand fresh are so fucking rare. I mean, I mean, I mean, it's possible. Anything's possible. But yeah, if you see one like that, and especially if the staples look brand new, You've got problems. Yeah. It's yeah. not. If, it's not real. Yeah. Yeah. If the staples look shiny and new, and the cover has a glossiness to it, especially yep. with those, especially with those Lebanese ones. There are some countries that yep. did books, you know, that did have a lot of gloss and look really nice, like Brazilian, Italian, you know, uh, Spanish. Some of those they look really nice. If you get really good looking copies, they're nice and glossy. But for a lot of those Lebanese ones, 
Nah, not the originals. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They didn't have. They didn't. I mean, think about this too. That Lebanon publisher. I tell people this story all the time. That publisher did Star Wars right in the middle of a freaking civil war. Mm. Yeah. You know, the late seventies, early eighties. Lebanon was a was a was a war hot zone. spot of yeah. Middle East. I mean, yeah, it was, it was a freaking civil war going on, and this publisher is making in you know late seventies, early eighties. Uh, a book about a space civil war in the middle of a real civil war. Mm. How fucking yeah. head fucky is that? <laughs> yeah. That's great. So yeah. Another way about um, with, with counterfeit books, uh, say if they're in the slab, then there's nothing you can detect really by your own eyesight. But if they're raw, then flip the pages. If you get one of these in, the, in your hand, flip the pages. And if it smells old, if it smells musty, then it's probably going to be more yeah. like the real thing than uh, a book where you flip the page and it smells just like a modern comic. It's a counterfeit, yeah. you know? Yeah. So mm-hmm. if it's a, exactly. If you sniff the damn thing, you know? Use yeah. your nose. Sniff it. Sniff it. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I could say something really nasty right now. I'm not. But <laughs> we've just with, got, with, we got the explicit with, tag now on the episode just because. Yeah. Of yeah. <laughs> with, with, with that, Ken, I will say this. What's interesting, too, about those Arabics mm. is that, okay, so we think that the second now. Now, Doc Scott says the second was a counterfeit. I, I tend to believe him. But for a, for a long time, I, I was on the fence on that. Because that second printing that we think was done in the 90s on the, on the Lebanese Arabics, at least the bats that we've seen, and the 227, for a fact we've seen, that, like I said, that printing was done really well. I believe it was done on an offset press. I believe it was probably a larger print run. You know, Xeroxes can be very small print runs, but if you're going to make it worth your time to print on an offset, you've got to print in quantity. So I, I personally know of at least two or three people that have the 227 90s reprint which can be telled out and i'm going to explain this uh if you're a listener and you want to view it so you have an arabic 227 original print the second printing which would be the first counterfeit in the 90s and then the last one now the difference on the second is that the blacks are different it's like bolder now we're not sure why that is also the the publisher logo which i believe um if it were to be translated into English might be like something called like illustrated publications or something. I forget, but that is stretched. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then the third, the, the counterfeit, the counterfeit that was printed in modern times, most of those blacks are much darker and you can tell on the two, two seven, how much darker that one is. And of course, like you said, Stephen, that one's going to have glossy pages, and mm-hmm. that one's going to scream counterfeit at yeah. you. Also, yeah. also, but that second one doesn't. Yeah. Also, on those third prints, the third ones, you'll notice that the little line of Arabic at the very, very top above the title, that little line of Arabic mm-hmm. sits a lot closer to that logo title. It sits closer ah, to it yeah, than see. on the first two prints. Interesting. Every, t- every yeah, time I've seen one of those third prints. If you put it up next to one of the second prints and you look at that little tiny Arabic writing above the logo at the very top, mm-hmm. you'll notice that on the third prints, it sits closer to that logo on every copy I've seen other than the first or second print. Now, that's very interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. That's interesting for a couple of points, I think. That's just come to me. Um, so with, with modern methods of reproducing images, you, you know, you're talking Xerox and uh, things like that in the digital domain. But in the early 90s, late 80s, they were still using four-color separation plates. 
Mm. Yeah, for the most part. I think they had some Xerox, right. but it was expensive okay. and it wasn't. Um, that's why that 90s, I think that's why that 90s second reprinting there. Yeah. You know, you're right, Ken. It probably was it probably was cheaper to do it on a, a traditional offset, which makes yeah. that second counterfeit or first, God, we're confusing people crazy, which makes that second print, which would be the first counterfeit, so much more difficult to, to, to sleuth out mm. than the, the modern third. Mm. And, and honestly, you know, I kind of feel like it's a, uh, what is the one, the counterfeit, the, the famous one, was it Cerebrus? Um, where CGC was actually slabbing some of those and calling them counterfeit because in the collector world, you didn't have Cerebrus one, but that if you had that, yes, that second yes. counterfeit, it was still considered something you'd want to have. I personally have the third, I have a two, two seven that's signed by Neil. Um, and it is the third modern printing, which would be the second counterfeit. And I like it. It's cool. I enjoy having it for my set, but if I had my druthers, I would still want that one that was printed in the nineties. Now, how fucked up is that? <laughs> well, so, True, so <laughs> generally speaking, so we, which books have we, are we aware of counterfeit? So Batman 227, there's a bunch. So we know there's a bunch of the third modern or uh, the second counterfeit modern. We know that they, they, that collector group, they did, I think they did the, the whole run. So I, I believe there's some of the, uh, some of the earliest bats and supermans that were done in that. So there's a bunch of those. Okay. Now the one, the, the reprinting in the nineties, I have personally only seen three or four issues of that. So I, I actually think there are probably some of those nineties, first counterfeit printings floating around out there as first printings. Yeah. And we just haven't really tell because they're more difficult. So if, if this hasn't scared you getting into the Arabic market, um, it should scare you a little bit because there is, I bet you there's probably more from that, that first counterfeiting in the nineties floating around out there yeah. that are being sold as originals. And we just don't know it because they're a little bit more difficult to find. Now, hopefully that logo stretch would be would go all the way across because that's probably the biggest call out is that their logo stretched, but I, I can't yeah. say for sure. Yeah, for all the ones I've seen of the second print copies of those, it's like that because that you'll notice on sometimes it, most of the time it's on the right, sometimes it's on the left at the top. They'll have that like you call it the logo. Yeah. It's a little it's a little circle, and it's yellow yellow inside, and it has another little outer ring on the edge of it that gives it an edge. And you'll notice on the edge. There's these little, it's like little curved, little reddish or pinkish in three little areas around the, the little ring around the edge of it. And uh, mm -hmm. on the second prints, on the second prints, that circle isn't so much a circle as it is like a stretched oval. Yeah, it's like an oblong thing. Almost yeah. like an oblong oval. And the, and the little uh, colored little um, arches that are inside of the ring on the outside of it, that if you follow those arches to the ends of their points, those points do not connect to the next one hmm. and then the next one whereas with the first and third prints they almost run right into each other interesting so, good detective very, work very. steven yeah mr bagley sir are we talking yeah. about are we talking about vertical stretch or horizontal stretch like uh we're talking vertical. about vertical, vertical up and down vertical okay so it okay. almost looks like it almost like an egg standing up on standing up yep. right so, okay well bear with me just just for a second like 
collate my thoughts on this. Just imagine on that, that particular printing, they, they printed off a batch. Let's say for argument's sake, 20, 25. And then they couldn't get to the original copies that they sourced those from. And they had to dupe that, that batch, that batch of 25. So you're getting distortion in the artwork. Hmm. Possible. Yeah. yeah. Just, just thinking about it now. And every time, you know, they can't get to that batch, they print off another one and they get distortion again. Because they, they sold the 25, let's say. That's an imaginary number, folks, by the way. I'm just picking that yeah. out of my head. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how yeah. interesting. Like, uh, yeah, I. it's one of those things, too. I'm sure I'm speaking to the choir on this. Like, well, I would love to know the origins of that, too, right? Like, what was the, what was the run? Who printed it? You know, all that stuff. You know, yeah, um, yeah. Well, and that's why we're gonna get Doc on as soon as possible. Yeah, If I had those counterfeit books, I, I would probably turn into the um, that wrestling meme kid. The uh, it's still real to me, damn it. Like if I had. Oh, yeah. hey, <laughs> I have I have a counterfeit two two seven, and I love it. I, mean, I, yeah, I, I love it. I had Neil sign it because it's just yeah. so cool. Well, you should. I mean, they're still David. cool. You should yeah. see the stack of counterfeits of two two sevens I've got here. Yeah, I've got so many. I've wallpaper my room with it. You know? <laughs> no it comes everywhere. <laughs> yeah, but the, the the issue really what we're getting at though is that two fifty one. If someone spends four thousand dollars on it, yeah. they're fucked. Yeah. They got yeah. fucked. Yeah, without lube. That's a shame. Yeah. Rough and yeah. roll, guys. Yeah. Yep. Um, and that will hurt more than just the first time. Um, yeah. yeah. So let's. Uh... Can you imagine that, you know, the, the guy who, who got that slabbed and how enraged he's going to be that he found out that basically, you know, CGC didn't pick up on it? Yeah. Yeah. He's right. going to be mad. Can you imagine? I'd, right. be, I'd be apoplectic. You'd have to peel me off the ceiling yeah. if it was something that happened to me. Yeah. Because yeah. who knows? It's probably not his fault. He probably bought it. In good yeah, faith. Maybe he, yeah, he bought it and yeah. he had Neil sign it and he thought he got a lucky score and he doesn't know. We, how many Americans read Arabic? Mm. Only the, the ones that work at the CIA mm. and, the, and the local Arabic uh, citizens, you wouldn't know. I mean, you can't even read it. Um, it's not even like, it's just, it's so much more difficult. And um, I don't know. It's, I'm glad we talked about it though. So people yeah, will. Yeah, yeah. We'll know, so, and we'll so he, uh, we'll show pictures. So here's a question then. So let's say even let's say if that was sent into CGC and they caught it, let's say they did catch it. Mm-hmm. What what do you think, you guys? I'll put this up for you guys. What do you think would be the proper technical terminological labeling that you should put on that for what it is? Is it counterfeit? <clears throat> is it reprint? Is it Third printing, what should you counterfeit? It would would be a counterfeit. Yeah, because it's an unofficial source, it's gotta be counterfeit. It would be a fan. It would be a it would be a printed fan. Uh, There's gotta be I mean, we call them fan translations, but uh the ones that were their American books like translated into Russian, like we were talking about Hector's book in the earlier podcast. But there's gotta be a term maybe for that. Um I don't know what it would be though, Stephen. I mean, it is technically a counterfeit. But if it's a group, I mean, look at, you know, look at how much uh, headway uh, these modern variants where they're printed in small amounts for like a comic book shop. How, how, I mean, I realize that's official and it's officially licensed, but I do kind of, like you said, Eric, it is kind of a neat story that these Arabic collectors all got together, pulled their funds, pulled their CBRs, they all got them and, and ran off this batch. Mm-hmm. that um, I still have one of their books in my collection. 
when I bought it, I bought it as what it was. The seller told me he was part of that group that, that, that ran, that made those. And I, I still wanted it because I couldn't find an original 227. And for me, it's still, I, I still love, love the book. It's in a Mylar and a, and a board. Right. Huh. So should it be completely disrespected? Yeah, the uh, word. Considered, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm going back again to the Cerebrus counterfeits. The yeah. Cerebrus one counterfeits. The word counterfeit has a, a bit of a, a tone. Negative to it connotation. About, uh, yeah. About, it does. A, connotation. about intent of illegality, right? Facsimile is maybe right. a bit more passable, but yeah, it definitely should be delineated yeah. as different in some yeah. way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and I don't think it's so much that it should be disrespected, quote unquote, as simply understood what it is for what yeah. it is. Yeah. 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 I agree. You know, get, get it right. That's the thing. We, we, it doesn't matter what it is. Just get it right in explaining and labeling it for what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's I agree. Those, That's the key. those books would have more legs if they were considered a um, a, a reprint or another edition, right? If it if if it had right. been watermarked in another way, then it would be more credible and probably more coveted, right? So they or kinda, or even just changed in some way, like on the cover, on the right. cover had a little yeah. something like a little corner piece added, you know, that yep. that set it apart, that told you this was a later printing of the book. Yeah, so yeah. Then, and that gets. If you're out there now and you're listening to us and you're considering uh, rerunning uh, Dazzler Number One, just put a new watermark on it, <laughs> so it won't be considered a counterfeit. It'll just be a new edition of it, right? Uh, Disco Remembrance Edition. Or Disco <laughs> Remembrance. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, well, let's talk Gurries. Uh, I'm, oh, chomping at, I'm chomping at the bit. Uh, so I got a bunch of questions. I I'm just gonna throw them out and get the conversation going. So. I know little, if if not nothing, about Gurry. Let, I'll uh, let Ken lead on this. I did research, oh, wow. but I'm gonna let Ken lead on this. Get the awesome. foreign comic book, Mister okay. Ken, Mister <laughs> Ken Worthing. The first okay. I became aware of these was on your awesome website, Ken Worthing. Oh, oh cheers, man! Out. Cheers. Um, so <laughs> well, Gurries. so these Gurries mm-hmm. are. Uh, what was the first year Gurries were published? Let's start uh, there. That's a good point. 1941 for... You have to remember that my focus is Captain America. And of course, they had... Yeah, yeah they had um, characters way before Cap. But I, I know that, you know, Cap appeared in like 1941. Mm. I think... And Gurries says... are Bra- Brazilian. I Brazilian, think. sorry. Brazilian, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. They're the earliest outside American um, comics that uh, you know, other countries produce that feature superheroes. Basically, and they're awesome issues. I mean, these things are generally 80 years old and they still survive. They're out there, but limited numbers, and we don't really know how many, how much are out there. But you know, you get a chance to get a hold of a Guri and grab it, do it, whatever you like. They're beautiful. Is. They are beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So um, the, the, the title is Guri, and the publisher was who? Well, I've got a couple of publishers. Um, I believe, I'm, I'm, I apologize to my butchering of the language um o cruzera sa which might be the the larger group but it could be also their parent company which is diario de, de noite diario de noite diary of the go. night thank you for helping me in there matt thank you noite <laughs> n-o-i-t-e that's the one yes yeah yeah, noite, noite, yeah. Noite. what a cool name diary of the night Think isn't about it? that. That's great, isn't it? <laughs> and did, and didn't and didn't the Gurries initially was spelled G U R Y? Yes. And then yep. later changed to G U R I. G U R I. That's right. Yeah. Did that yeah. change because of the publisher, or was that just kind of a unknown factor? 
I think at this time, in our knowledge, I think that's an unknown factor. We don't know. Why I think it's uh, yeah. I think it's unknown. I, we know it's issue twenty-five, but why they did it, I have no. And yeah. Ken I mean, Guri, it's had, a, it's had a couple of different names. You know, it's it's Guri, and then you know, Oguri Mensal, then Oguri. Um, Oguri Comico was another one. Um, mm-hmm. So whenever somebody says Comico to me, I'm thinking of like album collection of co- um, comics, but uh, apparently not. No, Oguri Comico was just. Just a couple of stories featuring a couple of, couple of characters, a main character and a uh, an add on add on book as such. Wasn't these, an album. Hmm. And these, hmm. uh, so the first publisher predates nineteen forty. So by the time Cap shows up in nineteen forty one, they're at issue. 70, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Seventy three. Seventy three was the first first Captain America cover appearance. Okay. And uh, I don't think he didn't make the second cover appearance until issue eighty eight. Okay. Uh, I think the second Captain America story was straight after 73. That was in 70, yeah, number 74. Third appearance was in 77. Fourth appearance was in 88, where he had that second cover. Okay. so that Which first, is a cool cover. <laughs> very much so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I've that... got about um, 12 of these things, and unfortunately, I haven't got any of those four. <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. I weep, I weep so... tears of sadness. Yeah. <laughs> so do we know that that That's... first... Uh... So that Oguri seventy three, the first appearance of Captain first America. First cover that's, yeah. That's nineteen forty one. Is that a is that an American story translated? Do we know what that Yes. Okay. Uh, from what my notes and I, I don't uh, my dates are a little different, Ken. Okay, okay. Um according to my research, I have let's see here. The first Captain America was from Timely Comics, Captain American Comics 16, 1942. Perfect. Okay. But, um, and according to my notes, the Oguri 73 was 1943. Oh, okay. Okay. So I think we're off maybe, or, or I, I could be wrong too. No, I, I have the first, you're, you're I have right. the first issue that came out was in 1940. And then the interesting thing about this so I, I did a bunch of research on this. Yeah. Um, so that Diary of the Night was actually started um, in 1940 by a journalist named Assis Chateaubriand. And it seems like a lot of these early Brazilian comics were related to the newspaper world because we know also that Piff Paff did the first Batman over there, and that was related. I think that was related to one of the newspapers as well, Piff Paff. Mm. But... Um, and according and so according to this, he started out all those early uh Oguris were planet comic stuff and also jungle comic stuff. And then they did some fiction house planet comic stuff, those like interplanetary adventures. And then they were doing Fawcett and King Feature Syndicate stuff. And then they got to um Captain America, which was you know the timely the predecessor to Marvel, right. um, and they they ran with that for a while, and then I believe Oguri also had the the um, didn't they have the Captain Marvel and they did uh, they had Ma- Mary Marvel didn't they Mary Marvel yeah and they, they, a lot of early a lot of that early Golden Age American stuff they were running and this is the other interesting so thing they and Ken. So they were printing uh, multiple companies, U.S. companies, Stuff. in yeah. under a single yep. title. 
in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Yep. Correct. Multiple Golden Age stuff. And this is the beautiful thing. They redid the covers. Ken, talk about that for a while. Oh, the covers. Well, from, from what I can see, um, the covers were just made up. There's only one sort of almost direct correlation between uh, an Oguri cover and uh, an American Golden Age cover. And uh, that was even drawn from a different angle. How cool. It's just incredible. <laughs> it's amazing. Absolutely. It's, if you can re- let me see. Maybe I just have to go back to my notes. I should have my fingertips right here. Well, gen- generally speaking, why would a local artist? So they, you know, the way they would have received the art would have been, you know, um, an attachment in an email, right? Nineteen forty, right? Uh, no, cool. it was through <laughs> that telephone thing. <laughs> I think it was like a telephone. So they would have gotten a version of the art, right? Pasted yeah. up in some yeah. configuration, right? Probably elements removed, probably yeah. a raw version of the art. So they, it's always amazing to, to me that a, that a local artist would take a cover that he had in his hands Indeed. and do like a swipe of it. Do we know why that would be? Like, yeah. Why would he draw it from a different angle if he had the original art that they could not know. Maybe he, this, think about this, guys. Maybe they didn't have the covers. Yeah, but if he, they, they would have described. Possibly. But in this case, oh yeah, maybe it's described. But in this case, if he has it, like, like those Italian or this the uh, Vertice ones or whatever, right? Like, it's a clear mm-hmm. swipe of it, right? And that that, yeah. always, that always amazes me because they, you know, maybe it's not included in the license. Is that a possibility? Possibility, yeah, yeah. Possibility, or they're just keeping their local people to work. They're keeping that's, them the other, that's what I was going to say. Is that there's also the possibility that. They wanted the stories because they liked the stories, but they wanted to give work to their people employment wise to oh. be able to feature the artists from their country so that the covers would more appeal to the people in their region. Yeah, could yeah. be. And then have could them be. do those covers while featuring the stories that they wanted to be able to use from the American brilliant. True. So. Just dipping in there very briefly, I think for the benefit of our listeners, um, I'm going to do our next, well, my next compare and cr- contrast covers will be the Oguri 168. And what I can see mm-hmm. is that almost direct correlation to Captain America comics number 60. So people can actually see the difference. And yeah, because a... you'll... Mm. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, carry on, carry on. I, I was going to say, because some, some of these, I, you'll notice throughout a number of different countries, you'll see cover swiping variations, interpretations of covers uh, from the American version, where it's obviously meant to be a version of that cover, but done different, different yeah. angles, different, you know, just di- variations in it. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think like what you're describing here, the one that you're going to show here with this Captain America one is one of the earlier versions, if not earliest versions of an example of that. Indeed. I mean, I, I know yeah. that Matthew were going through some of the, um, some of the Oguri covers a couple of days back. Did you see anything else remotely resembling no, 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 I, I, not that I saw, um, it, cause I did, I, I went in and I compared the two and some of them yeah. and like that first, that first timely story. The, okay. So the Guri 73, the first cap, it's like, got like cap fighting some weird green monster. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I looked at the cover of Captain America comics 16, which is supposed to be in the guts. And it looks, if I remember correctly, it doesn't look like it's a monster type thing at all. No, do you remember, no. Ken? It, it almost yeah. looked, it almost looks like one of those classic World War Cap covers. 
So I'm yeah. not sure why they have him fighting some green monster. I don't no know what idea. I'm missing. No idea. I don't think it, it's. I don't think it's a case of missing. I think it's it's cultural again. Whereas in mm. the golden age in America, the superheroes' time was sort of passing by, and you had all of a sudden horror comics. Well, I'm wondering if Brazil approached mm. it from the opposite angle, where they had the horror comics first, and mm. then they went into the superhero genre, possibly. Well, possibly. This, this is probably a good time to bring up this question, which is. You know, obviously Captain America in the timely era, this is World War Two, right? So he was yeah, he was utilized as an element of propaganda to some yeah. extent, right? And yep. Brazil joined that war in nineteen forty two. So um this and is there anything else in the content of those books that seem propagandistic in the same way? Do you know what I mean? Hmm, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it may, yeah, it may have been a way for them to use the American superhero who was so pivotal in at that time in representing propaganda for World War Two. It may have been their way to get their people propagandized, I guess you could call it, into mm. it by using that character. But again, by applying maybe their own covers and their own their own that, spin and their own their own yeah. spin and whatever to to bring the people in. So. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, what a fascinating why, facet. Eh? Yeah, oh, why wasn't another? There, why wasn't there a Captain Brazil, Capital Brazil, Brasileiro? Right? Yeah. There should have been and another yeah, interesting Captain Britain factor, guys. <laughs> yeah, um, true. And I I had read this a while back and thought it was fascinating too. Um, I'm not so good on remembering how the whole Captain Marvel DC thing happened. Remember, there was a legal issue that happened there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There, there was some. They had to change the name, or they had it stopped being published a certain way. I don't remember exactly, and it's mm. probably people are going to go, "Oh, well, that's just classic comic history." You should yeah, know I it. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably, yeah. I'm probably misremembering this, but was it some like national periodicals? Yeah, it, was, it had something to do with the the. At some point in America, Captain Marvel and one of the other heroes had they had to change their name he had to turn into shazam or whatever i don't remember exactly how that worked out but in brazil they didn't follow that so according to what i read um i'd have to go back and look at it but um it they they kept him under that so in america the name changed right because of that whole drama between marvel and dc Mm. but in brazil i think he went on still being called whatever he was being called for like another decade or two there's some there's some interesting factors within that too and how they just kept running with it and not giving a shit about the legal case in america or yeah it wasn't part of the jurisdiction or whatever that case might be right so who cares right yeah it was captain america capital america right out of the gate was he steve rogers was there bucky were there any changes to i don't know well no I don't changes. read Portuguese. This is it. <laughs> Same here. No changes to the names, but I think they gave um, Bucky like blonde hair. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. Lightened, lightened him up a little ah. bit. And they changed the skin tones, of course, which I'm always banging on about, of course. Interesting. Uh, did, they, did they have a run? Are there any, are there any other World War II uh, editions of that legendary Cap punching Hitler in the face book? Did any other countries run that book? Do we know? Not that I'm aware of. Mm, yeah, not that I've ever seen. No. Okay. Um, Would have been good if there was. It'd be you know something else to collect. Yeah, that'd be incredible. <laughs> that would be incredible. Oh, yeah. Maybe there's one out there. If you know of one, <laughs> right? 
Please let us know. That would be a I, holy grail, like beyond holy grails. I, I have two kidneys. I don't need the usage of all two. You know, I don't need the usage of both. I can spare a kidney for one. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. right. Um, so how long did how long did they run? How many gurries once Cap showed up? How long did that last? Again, this is another unknown to me, unfortunately. Um, let's see. In my notes. Ooh. You and your darn notes, Matt. I don't know. <laughs> um, I think... Let's see. Okay, so you were right, Ken. So in March 1952, it looks like it changed into O Cruzeiro Publishing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then there was a relaunch um, where it was an Oguri weekly retrogravis supplement. Um, the third, There was a bunch of versions. Fourth version. It went into 1968. So... The publisher, have you guys have seen those RGE books, right? Out of Brazil? Can't say. The, like the RGE, like the, the Punisher 129 that's white out of Brazil. It's, an, it's that RGE. I think that RGE was an extension of this publisher. I think they, that it went, it went a long way. So you're saying and, um, that. This is definitely interesting. So are you saying that RGE ran from the 50s to the 80s? Well, it, it got re it got like re brought out or something because I have have I have here the first version was 1940, the second version of of these books was 1952, the third version was in 1954, and then the fourth version was in 1968, mm. and then it and then the publisher continued, um, it it kind of evolved I think into the RGE, um, so. I think they were doing cat books into the 60s, at least, late 60s. And then maybe when RGE came out, if, if uh, cat was still being done, you could almost theoretically say that, that this publishing house has been doing cat for shit as long as we, at least until the 80s, wow. 70s. Wow. I don't know. I could be wrong. We, we need to get Kazi on here and, or, or Doc Scott. Mm. We're going to have more info. Yeah, but what... I... This, Sorry. So you would imagine there's probably, especially if they're publishing in a gap there, there might be, during a cap gap, right, if you will? Yeah. There, yeah. there might yeah. be some non-canon stuff in there then, no? Um, so that, I don't know. It's a possibility. I mean, it really surprised me that they published, albeit under three different publishers, right up until the, the 80s. I wouldn't have expected to carry on that long. I mean, I've not seen any later cups from that particular stable so i don't know interesting i'll I'll need to dig into that or again you know ask robert ott yeah because we don't even know if it's necessarily three different publishers or if it's just the same publishing house but it went through different iterations different different iterations uh, rebrandings whatever you know yeah Mm -hmm. but i i I do think that rge is at least the spiritual successor of this publisher and Mm -hmm. we know that they were doing those little uh, like that uh, Spider-Man, they did the, the famous 129 Brazilian White is an RGE. Um, and I think they went into the 80s. So, yeah, I mean, Fantastic. Brazil is, yeah. yeah, Brazil, a whole book could be written about Brazil's comic book industry. Oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's massive. Yeah. It's massive. Yeah. I mean, I've got literally hundreds and hundreds of other Brazilian books, uh, but not from, from the Oguri stable, not from the... Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So we'll have to research when the last Oguri cap was, but I'm guessing it might have been in the 60s, maybe, Ken? Yeah. Do you think that's, I thought, that's probably more accurate? 
accurate, yeah. Not saying that your information is inaccurate, Matt. Just uh, yeah. I'm not familiar with RGE at all, especially not in the Captain yeah. America sort of sphere. Yeah, and it wouldn't it wouldn't have been under Oguri anyway. It would have been a different title mm-hmm. if RGE was doing Cap. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So, what do we know about uh, the market for Oguris at this point? How do you find them? Um, where are they? How many of them are there? A trusted are they expensive? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, unless I'm being ripped off, which I don't think I am, to be fair. Um, Oguris, whenever I buy them. Um, can vary between sort of like two hundred dollars to three hundred dollars each, in my experience. I've never seen one go for sort of less than two hundred dollars, not even a tattered and torn condition. They are they, yeah, and they go they go for a good amount on the Brazilian back issue market too, Ken. So absolutely. you're dead right on that. Yeah, yeah. It's not like they're they're cheap and they're just being flipped to non Brazilians. No, they're they go for a good amount because they're they're collected there. There's a there is a hardcore group of Brazilian collectors that realize those books are valuable and a big part of Brazilian comic history. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm ex- I count myself extremely lucky to have managed to, to squirrel these 12 of these books out of Brazil. I've got them in my own collection, so... Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I remember getting the first one and thinking, oh, this is it, I've done it. Great, what shall I get next? And then I think... <laughs> 11 more books I... later... I'd say the the best way for a listener to to seek out golden age Brazilians is to go on Mercado Livre Brazil and see what's there or and use someone like Jim Wazi, a Brazilian reshipper buyer to help you purchase golden age stuff off of Mercado on their quote unquote eBay or hit up the Facebook groups. There is two or three Brazilian comic Facebook groups Mm -hmm that sell Brazilian comics. And I know that on occasion, some of these golden ages will pop up there. So that would be the other thing. You're gonna, but, but in order to, you're going to join those groups, you're going to have to translate Portuguese because it's all in Portuguese. Right. Yeah. yeah, this is, uh, and the, the point that you always make, Matt, about um, climate and culture of collecting them, right? These are 80-year-old books from a, you know, a, Country that sits in on the Amazon rainforest, right? So, well, uh, but listen to this, Eric. I just talked to a Brazilian collector about this. He said, "Okay, he's a listener. I'm not gonna. I don't know if he wants his name called out, but he said he listened to the podcast and he thought that was very accurate. But he reminded me, on the interior of the country, there are areas that are dry as a bone, of course, (laughs) and actually on the coast is where there's also a lot of uh, humidity." Um, he said, you'd, you'd be surprised along the coasts. It's extremely humid. And everyone talks about the rainforest in Brazil, but very few people live in the rainforest or nearest. You know, there's Manaus, I think it's the biggest city that's in uh, the actual rainforest. But what he was saying was, you'd be surprised how dry it can be in certain that's interior true. parts of the country. But the bagging board culture, I talked to him about mm-hmm. this too. He told me, that the first time he remembers putting a comic book in a, in a bag was in the 90s. Mm. And he said, and that's a bag, not a board. Mm. We don't, you can't even get boards. <laughs> you couldn't get boards in Brazil until recently. Yeah. Think about that. American comic books were at least getting put in bags by the mid-70s. By the late 70s, it was full-on bag and board, right? 
some of these countries are barely now getting the idea that they need to put these books not only in a bag, but in a fucking board. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. Our American books had decades of living in ideal conditions before some of these coins ever saw a bag and board. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry I'm going off on a, on a, on a rant here, yeah. but God damn. I mean, to have, it, to have the Brazilian collector just confirm it, confirm that. Is very interesting. Yeah, I, Books not to, do not do well, not in bag and boards. Yeah, not to go off on too much of a tangent, but just to uh, agree with your friend's point. My wife was Brazilian, and she grew up in a state called Minas Gerais, which is kind of on the south, southern side of things. And she, when she moved to New Jersey, mm-hmm. the first summer here, she was like, "God damn, it's fucking humid here." I'm like, "You're from Brazil, you know?" Oh so, wow! Yeah, he's absolutely yeah. he's absolutely right in that. So. Um, yeah, he wanted to confirm that interesting. to us. Yeah, so but I mean, suffice to say, still an eighty-year-old book, right? So that mm. you know, pushing eighty years old. So that's always amazing to me. Um, yeah, yeah, it survived. Yeah. No wonder they took the staples out of the dead because they were ru- literally rusting away in their hands. So that that is one thing that you've mentioned before, Ken. Is the staples maybe mm. are replaced, or that's a way to detect authenticity? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it has been done. It's, it's, it has been known, not by many. You'll still find rusty staples in the spines. But uh, on occasion, I've, I've dealt with uh, one seller where I've got two books. And yeah, staples taken straight out because they know they don't want the, the paper tarnished by rust. Mm-hmm. So these staples would have been taken out many, many decades ago. Yeah, long yeah, ago. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Well, that's some interesting that, stuff. It's funny, in lieu of a a bag and a board, they had the wherewithal foresight to take out the staples from just as you indicated. So, mm. you know, they're working yeah. with what they got. Smart. Very, yeah. very much. Yeah. That's great. I think when the those books first come to light, we were all thinking, these have got to be counterfeits. There's no staples anywhere. Why are there no staples? And then knowledge is king. You know, we found out why. Because they, they'd rather protect the books by not having metal rust everywhere. Brilliant. So, yeah. sort of, if you were to if you were to add staples, that would be considered restoration in the by a grading company, no? Yeah, 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 yeah. With good point. Yeah. yeah. And in fact, someone, a collector, just recently bought a, a Spider Man one twenty nine, and he was concerned because the staples look new, and he he contacted me about mm. it, and I said I said the staples look repl-. so he took photos of the interior and the exterior. And I told him, I said, the paper looks old. Like, the book looked old. And if I remember correctly, it even had some areas where there was some rust migration. But the staples looked new. So I think in his case, they just replaced the crappy staples with new staples. Yep, yep. But, the book itself, but the book itself was vintage. But if that were to get slabbed, C, uh, CBCS would have to consider it restoration. Absolutely. Whereas another grading company would, would possibly just pass it. Hey, oh yeah. <laughs> so did uh, back to Gurries, Did they also have um, like Namor and Human Torch? Uh, they had Demolidor, Mary Marvel, and Cap are the three main ones that I could, I could find out about. But okay. yeah, could quite possibly have more. Wow. Yeah, I think. Hmm. Yeah, I couldn't say for sure. I did find. You know what I was talking about earlier? I was mistaken. Um, so uh, it it was basically what what it said it read in the alter ego. 
but you could be forgiven for not knowing that Captain Marvel and the Human Torch both lasted well into the 1960s because it didn't happen in U.S. comics. Mm. Instead, both features enjoyed long lives in a country now garnering a bit of attention. Brazil, the human... Yeah, so it, it, it had something to do with... Let's see here. Um, Possibly the all-winners squad, maybe. Yeah, the pairing of Fawcett's original Captain Marvel with Timely's original Human Torch. Mm. That Captain Marvel was discontinued by Fawcett in 1953 and didn't reappear until the early 1970s when DC acquired the rights of the publication of The World's Mightiest Mortal and Timely's first Human Torch disappeared in the late 40s. You're dead right on both accounts, but in Brazil, they I guess they continued. Um, it, I'll have to put a link. It's, it's interesting, but I think... Um, yeah, I just think Brazil did whatever the hell they wanted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With with the you know, who cares about the 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 legal ramifications that are going on in America? And and that's why Eric, you're you're dead right. There's a big possibility. There's some non-canon stuff in there. If they ran out of American material and the Brazilian publishers decided to say fuck it, right? Let's keep going with it, right? Because clearly they had they had artists that were pretty good. I mean, look at those covers. We talked a little bit about that, too. I don't have the notes of that guy, but there was a guy that was well-known in Brazil, I think, that um, was, is famous for doing some of that uh, redrawn Oguri art. And his name was Jose... There you go, Ken. Jose Geraldo um, Barnito Diaz. Right. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, his professional debut was at the Ted Rage of 25 in 1941. He's right there, right there at the smack beginning of it. Yeah, and that's unfortunately all the notes I have on Jose. Yeah, if anyone, so, yeah, if anyone knows more, please share it. Uh, yeah, there's obviously a lot of a lot to be learned here, right? A lot to be discussed. Any, oh yeah, and any other lots? Any other points on Gurries that we want to? Obviously, we continue this. We got to, like we said, we got to get this. Uh, sure. There's only one little thing on the, I, I just like to yeah. correct myself on the artist. I didn't get his full name right. Um, it's actually Jose Geraldo Barito Diaz. So right. sorry, yeah, that's that's Shout how that is. Um, awesome. Any other points on this you want to to wrap up with? I mean, again, we could talk about this for days, and you know, yeah, there's, there's such a lot. Oh, they're with. they're awesome. I guess the only point would be pay attention to the Brazilian Golden Age market because as more American hardcore Golden Age collectors find this stuff. Just like you can fell in love with it mm. for you know the redrawn awesome covers and the age and and this interesting history and these books having to survive you know amazing Brazilian weather, there is a possibility these these books could be speculated on for sure I think so yes yeah. and you know right now they're already considered valuable in their country of origin. Imagine if American Big time, you know, big time golden age collectors that don't have any problem dropping, you know, 20, 30, yeah. 15 grand on a book really find this stuff and start seeking it out and finding how fucking rare it is. Yeah, we, we could see an explosion. Yeah. Which brings me to my final question. Uh, Ken, how do I get into your will? 
<laughs> You've said that before, Eric. Uh, this is this is an ongoing theme with you, Eric. Ken's right? uh, will. How do we get into? It? We can do a whole show on that. Yeah, right. Note to self, Eric wants you comments. <laughs> um, any any final thoughts for you, Ken? Like you have a good collection of these. Like, what do you? I am very lucky love to them? have. Yeah. What do you yeah. What do you love about them? What is it about them that that you know. Well, I, I think it's obviously got my man on it, uh, but apart from the obvious, I think it's the age of these things. You know, these are the earliest comic books in my collection. Uh, and the other thing is they're not American. They're from, you know, Brazil, many, many miles away from here. And uh, some are fragile without, you know, I, I don't think I'd be able to find a couple of those copies that I've already got now. I just wouldn't be able to find them. I don't think. So it's the scarcity for me again, uh, the age and the territory, I think. Three very special things. Yeah. It's like a trifecta. The Brazilian, the Brazilian Golden Age market is this, trif- uh, this grouping of awesome elements, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and Ken, I just want to bring up that one book you have with the cap and that red skeleton. Is it a red skeleton? Um, what cover oh is that the the later one uh the weird it might be the later one yeah yeah but it's beautiful I, every time i see it i just go oh my god that's <laughs> a fucking gorgeous cat book there you go there you go yeah yeah cool they're just amazing books guys if you if you can afford them right now like honestly 200 300 a book maybe that's bargain basement for where where these books might end up going so i think so who knows yeah if you can afford it and, and this is, you know, even if you don't like Cap, if you like the, the Marvel family, yeah, if you like the, True. the Human Torch, yeah. you know, just, don't just buy it because I like Cap. Buy it because of the, the the lineage of these books, you know, so, so old, so wonderful. Yeah. So that, um, boy, I always like to imagine, you know, a, a little kid in Brazil in 1940, whatever, looking at this book and just the, you know, that that wonderment that you know, comics unleashed in all of us as kids right you know there's a, yeah. there's a little brazilian kid that was reading capital america and was like oh mm. wow right mm. um what a, what a history. Yeah. so that was we know so this is the first outside of the u.s publish of a u.s superhero right yeah okay i think well i'm not sure if it's the cap or or the batman the pit path. Uh, okay. i thought it might be the pit path okay but I'm not. I'm not so good on the foreign, on the older foreigns. My main focus, of course, has always been silver and bronze. But I think I'd heard that the the first American superhero that was that was published outside of our borders was Batman, and it was Piff Path. But I could be wrong. Okay. It was in Brazil, and it was Piff Path, and it was in the early '40s. Um, but someone will have to correct us on we that. Gotta, gotta... I wouldn't be surprised if it, it earlier. Yeah, we got to do a whole episode on Batman in other countries, right? That would be oh, oh god, it's gonna be done. Yeah. I mean, all day long, right? Um, yeah. Oh, you could do Batman in just uh, the DC and, and the Arabics would be an entire two, three episodes. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's. A whole, uh, Matt, you and I were talking about the other day on a chat was uh, like there's a whole universe of the phantom and tarzan and oh Drake god yeah and the horror comics like we haven't even quite scratched any of those we haven't even right scratched but those the are surface those horror are comics the massive the deep seedy dark underbelly <laughs> right. mm-hmm. no um, there is man i mean it's 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 freaking insane you yeah. can, we could do a 10-part podcast on filipinos alone 
Yeah. Right, Stephen? <laughs> Look for that. I mean, uh, it's it's soon. just it's insane. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so much content out there. It's just you can't keep it all Indeed. in your head. I mean, the one thing about the Philippines that blows me away is is um, obviously with the climate. What they did with their comics is uh, they put their knives and forks in them and wrapped them up in oh in yeah, cup, that's drawers. <laughs> What? Yeah, that story's horrible, isn't it? <laughs> you've mentioned uh, oh, you've mentioned Filipino prints before. I will, let's put a pin in that and put that as a topic for an upcoming episode because I want to. Oh yeah, I want to hear all about that. You guys have, have flirted with that a little bit. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. So let's. Yeah, uh, that's let's, a that's a good one. That'll that'll be our cliffhanger for this one. We'll talk about Filipino stuff on the next uh, episode as we. And I should. Eric, those, was there? I should. Sorry. Was there any reader questions? Yes. I Quick get, ones I was, we can get to. I was about to get to the uh, closing stuff. So. Oh. Um, okay. Cool. So the the other thing I will say is we've kind of fallen into a bit of a habit of being weekly, but we probably mm. should say there might be weeks that we might miss here. So we're not quite weekly, but we're sort of weekly so far, just because of the way we're uh, meeting here. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so if we, if we miss a week, you know, don't, uh, don't blow us up or anything. Don't, don't spank um, us too hard. That's right. That's right. Oh, wait, no, Ken, not unless, be not unless Matt says so. hard. <laughs> right. Uh, I know my mate likes his spanks. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we got some sniffing and some spanking on this episode. Things are gotten uh, <laughs> taking a turn. Um, so yeah, we do have a listener question. It's from Adam Cox, who um, ha- also shares some awesome comments and, and things. Uh, his question, and I'll kind of just roundtable it, and we don't have to get into a whole whole lot. So don't don't necessarily launch into a big thing. Just off the top of your head, maybe best foreign version of a U.S. comic is what he was asking and, and kind of why but let's frame it as like pers- mm. personal favorite like you know of of what you have you know your hands on or in your collection what's your, mm. your favorite foreign comic wow that's, that's a small Steven, question but it's such a big question as well so we do have a listener question it's from adam cox who's a facebook friend of mine and a good listener um his question is best foreign version of a u.s comic but that's kind of a broad question so let me reframe it as kind of personal favorite like of what you have in your collection um what do you what is your what's your personal favorite you know either publisher or version of a book or you know you like the art better or whatever what's what's your what's your favorite foreign version of a u.s comic and i should say we lost steven so um Technical issues, uh, Ken and bummer. Matt. So, uh, Matt, what's your what's your answer to that favorite? Um, personal, like Ken said, that's such a uh, it's such a big yet a small question too in a way. But for me, I would have to say I'm going to stick with the Brazilian theme. I think one of my favorite. So one of the very first sets I started in the in this hobby was the Batman 227. I just love it. I love the fact that it's a swipe from the old tech. I, I love how Adam's handled, you know, the maiden running away from the cult leader. Um, it's just awesome with the, with the mansion in the background and Bat in the, in the moon. But the Brazilian publisher E-Ball did an amazing Batman 227. Um, it was in the Batman B series, and they recolored it in this beautiful pastelli it's just it's stunning um and also because you know the the american 227 has a lot of the different nomenclature 
a lot of the call outs that the American uh, books were doing at the time. DC was doing at the time. It's got like Robin up there and a bunch, all kinds of stuff. That's just, in my opinion, it kind of muddies Neil's image, but the, but the e-ball Brazilian Batman 227 e-ball does away with most of all of that. They have their little e-ball tag up on the top left, but other than that, they just let that artwork shine. And awesome. then they threw in this pastel coloring that has to be seen to be believed. So for me, E-Ball, Batman 227 is going to be my favorite foreign edition in my collection right now. But ask me that next week and it could change. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, can, you, can you post a picture of that on the episode when, when we get there? Yes. Yes. Awesome. yes, I will. And Ken, how about you? Same question. Well, this is going to sound like a total made-up flub, but it's a book I received this week, and it's a book I've already posted on our page. It's Los Vengadores, number 43, which has got so many color differences compared to... Oh, yeah, yeah I saw that. Incredible. Um, so it's originally from Tales of Suspense, number 65. Um, but listeners, if you want to go to our page and have a look at the, the most recent compare and contrast picture I put up, you will see there is so many different changes. It, it's, it's amazing. And it's beautiful. Los Vengadores 43 is a beautiful book on it in its own right. Even if you know nothing about Tales of Suspense 65, it's just a crazy good looking book. And it even has a swastika on it, which is, yeah, which is right. great. <laughs> yeah. Is that hmm. that's the first appearance of Red Skull in the I US believe version, it is. Right? Yeah. I believe it is, yeah. Cool. Cool. Um uh, so well, that's my favorite question, today, sorry. Love it. Yeah, so we'll ask it again. We should <laughs> Stephen if yeah, you're it'll change. post yours in the uh, comments as well. Um, yeah, I'm curious what Stevens is too. Mm-hmm. Or maybe we need to let him start the next show and let him answer that question. Good point. Yep, yeah, let's do yeah. that. Um, the other thing I wanted to get in the habit of doing is um, books you're hunting. Uh, so uh, we lost Stephen again, but this would also go to any listeners. So comment below, like what books you're currently hunting, and you know someone else has it. Let's make some connections and whatnot. So um, I know you guys have massive, massive collections, but um, and you can change this week over week or whatever we record. I'm going to ask you. This is the end of every episode. Uh, what book? Mm-hmm. Are you, what book are you currently hunting, Ken? Ooh, I'm trying to get something close to home, to be honest. Uh, and it's it's from the Odom's uh, Publications label, sort of uh, the people who were there before the Mighty World of Marvel came to fruition. I'm, I'm trying to track down some more of their annuals, so like their hardcover, um, magazine-sized books of you know, collection of comics. So they did things like Pow, Smash, Fantastic, Wham, Terrific, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So I've got all the Fantastic annuals, and I've got a couple of Titans annuals. But I'm trying to stretch my horizon a little bit more, because they also did the Fantastic Four. Um, So it's going to be another Odom's annual, I think, of that stable. Not one specifically, but it might be a Fantastic Four. I saw... um, a POW annual, which had a, like a mismatch of Captain America and Cyclops on the front. So I thought, well, that's that's different. Yeah, so I might, yeah. I might actually hmm. head for that one next. Long right out on. of print. Cool. Long out of print. Cool. That's um, a cool one. And how about you, Matt? What book are you currently hunting? Um, I'm Well, I, I actually have been a very good hunter lately and bagged a bunch of stuff that I had been looking for. 
But I'd say that the one that I really need, though I don't have the money for it right now, I need that Danish Spidey 122. It's it's the last one out of Europe of the older 122s that I need, I think, that will make me happy. Um, it's an Ederkoppen. And as you guys know, I build the 122 set. And I have uh, the, the Mexican Novidades 122. I'm going to call out my boy um, Gustavo out of Mexico. He helped me land that. Cool. So it would, it would be the Danish Spidey 122. And I need, still need the Mexican Mac Spidey 122. Cool. Those, those two are definitely the ones that I'm, can, are getting me all hot and heavy right now. <laughs> Cool. So if anybody has those and wants to gift them to our uh, resident oh, expert. Oh, sure. uh, <laughs> I'm no expert. At, at, you know, and I'd like to apologize. I massacred the the, the Arabic uh, counterfeit conversation. I probably, I mean, I know I probably confused a million people. I'm trying my best here. That's I'm okay. not an expert. I'm okay. an enthusiast. Yes. Oh, good. Not an expert. I know. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep calling you an expert. Just you have to give that uh, equivocation each time. But you're an expert. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah. um, uh. And for me, I'm gonna just throw out the one I'm hunting. So uh, one of the coolest books I have is that Luke Cage uh, from South Africa, um, where they use the splash page as the cover. I think it's the Americom version. Oh and yeah. They printed that apparently, according to George Vanderreet's page, they printed that in three indigenous African languages. God, I would love any one of those three. So that's cool. Afrikaans. Yeah, I would well, love one of those. Eric, let me see if yeah. I can help you there because I plan to go and see George <laughs> later. Oh, year. right on. Right uh, on. Cool. He's, oh, you, you get to hang out with George, huh? I Kim. do. I do. The invitation's there. So, yeah, I'm going to go see George sometime a little later this year. And, uh, Maybe try and get him to record with us. Right on. That'd oh, be, that'd be awesome. awesome. Yeah, let's do that. Awesome. Gonna do my great. best for you guys. He's a cool. he's an awesome guy. He you want to talk about experts in South African books? He is an expert. Yeah. His his webpage is uh South African comic books.blogspot.com. So go check out his page. It, it, I've learned a lot from it. Um cool. That'd Wonderful guy. So uh so let's wrap up with some plugs. Uh, KenWorthing.com, your awesome site. What do you have coming up, Ken? You do weekly videos? or I've just put out a new video today where I wrapped up the fantastic series of comic books, again, from Odom's Publishing. Uh, so, I, uh, yeah, I'm going to start on something else next week. Not cool. sure what it's going to be. Cool. I, I have but ideas it, in my mind. It's going to be, these are the things I'm leaving Eric in my will, episode one. That's right. You've got it. Well, <laughs> hey, Ken, you should do, you should do your auguries, dude. That'd be do great. your auguries. Oh, yeah. well, I've got some more on the way. And when they arrive, I, I might have enough to actually do an episode, I think. Great. That would be awesome. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I will do, mate. I will do. Thank you. Will do. And Matt, Mr. Define Triple Nine. Uh, Define Triple Nine. You, uh, you did the Global Comic Safari. Tell us about that. Yeah, global. We launched. Okay, so me and John Z are working on a YouTube channel, Global Comic Safari. We want to bring the beauty and joy and love of set building kind of to the the masses. We're gonna have market episodes. We're gonna have uh, publisher episodes. But the goal for our channel is to try to stay within thirty and forty minutes, and we're gonna be showing as many foreign sets and cool foreign love as we can. We just dropped our first episode. It's Global Comic Safari on YouTube. 
it's within the the uh, Tales from the Flipside stable of shows. Cool. So it's it's an FCC Tales from the Flipside CBSI uh, joint that we're doing, and um, I would love for people to go and check that out. You can find me on Instagram, Define Nine 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 on Instagram, and uh, yeah, it's keep keep hunting and keep showing up. We love it. We love this stuff. We're obsessed. Right on. And since Steven left us, his handle is uh, Bag of Fleas, if I remember correctly. Yes, yeah. Bag of Fleas. Yeah, so go check him out. And you can find Foreign Comics Calling Podcast on Facebook, on iTunes, on Anchor, wherever uh, podcasts are uh, retrieved. And we thank you for, for finding us and listening. Again, if you can leave a rating or a review, that would be super awesome. Um, we appreciate that. And tell your friends. Good stuff. So thanks everyone for listening. Thank you guys for uh, for doing this once again. Sorry we lost Stephen. He'll be back next time. Yeah, Stephen will be back. Cool. Thank you guys. Any Bye guys. Uh, the only thing which I'm going to close is spread the sickness. Spread the sickness. Typhoid, marry it up. <laughs> thanks guys. Cool. Bye guys. All right. Cool. That was good. <laughs>